An Englishman in San Diego at Comics Uncovered, Birmingham 2018. I was very lucky to be invited along to the ICE International Comics Expo in Birmingham this past September to host a couple of panels at the event, but it also gave me the opportunity to participate in the following day's companion event, Comics Uncovered, a hands-on collection of demos, panels, reviews and workshop sessions for both aspiring and established comic creatives to fine-tune their skills and approaches under the watchful eye of some of the best in the business, including John McRae, James Peaty, Tony Lee... Ian Richardson and Steve Tanner. Speaking of Mr Richardson, Ian spent a fair amount of time at the bar in the foyer of the Birmingham Conference and Exhibition Centre, not pouring drinks, although I can imagine he can knock up a half-decent Singapore sling if pushed. No, he was more looking over work of aspiring artists and giving some really practical advice where needed. He also presented a talk called What's Next, all about what happens once you've jumped that initial hurdle and got your foot in the door with your work. It's a great session in the company of someone who really knows what he's talking about. Enjoy. You're all right, guys. Um, so my name's Ian Richardson. I am, for my sins, a comic book artist. Um, currently working predominantly on uh, covers for an American company called Xenoscope. Uh, but my work history also involves things like, like most British artists, a ton of stuff for 2000 AD, and then things like Halo for Dark Horse, and Noble Causes at Image Comics, and diversifications like the graphic novel for Cowboys and Aliens, and various other things like that. Um, so what I thought we might do is... That like do today as a bit more of a conversation rather than just me talk at you because I'm not a teacher um, and see if I can offer anything that might be useful for the point of view of what happens next after you've got your first gig you know the tough news is nothing much changes you kind of you're still in that same position that you're still chasing work all the time. Um, but you've got to do it then on a slightly more professional level. You, you kind of have got that point of view of, yes, you have got that behind you, your first gig, you're done, so you can use that to add to your credibility. But then it's still more of the same. Nothing changes you. You've still got to kind of hustle with stuff and you've still got to go out and meet people, you've still got to show your stuff like it's the first time you've, you've done it. You know, it's still the same experience because there's still so many of us trying to do a limited number of jobs. But the other thing to look at is what I try to do with the way I work these days is I almost use an a analogy of the way musicians have to work now and their revenue stream is like it's like a pie these days you don't just have your revenue stream from one single avenue so for instance if you're a musician you used to have that period of time that your main income would come from either your album sales or your gigging and you can't do that anymore you 
you kind of have to your album sales, your gigging, your Spotify stream, your YouTube qualifications, your merch, and so forth and so forth. And from my personal point of view in your career as a comic artist, you kind of have to look at it from that point of view as well. You're not just going to spend all your time and get all your revenue income just from drawing comics. That would be really nice. But you know, we're not all Neil Adams or John Byrne or whatever. Um, so you kind of have to think about, or at least I do, diversifying from a, a point of view of like, yes, you get to draw comics, you get to do that. But also because of what we do, it's a quite a time-consuming thing. You don't get to tend to do more than one thing at a time. So if you've got a comics drawing gig, that's fine. You get that done, and it's probably going to be a finite thing. So at the end of that, what comes next? You know, you're not always that lucky to kind of go from one job straight on to the next thing. So this is when the pie thing comes in. You kind of have to think about your, your diverse sources of income, that you can still do the same job, but not have to go and work in Tesco's at the same time, which then makes the original job even harder because you've got less time to do it. So, the way my working week, month, or, or whatever works is it's predominantly based around me doing my covers or the interior work or whatever they're doing, but then I have to have a commission list on the go all the time. And I have to think about doing things like the wonderful ice show yesterday. And aside from those contributing towards your revenue stream, there are also networking opportunities which brings you back again to the comics work. So it's like yesterday, for instance, that provides me with a revenue stream from books I have to sell, prints I have to sell, sketching all day. But it also provides me with two levels of networking opportunity. You'll have people coming through the door who are maybe getting exposed to your work for the first time. Great, you get more fans, you get more people buying your books. Great, that makes you a more attractive proposition for another publisher to offer your work. You also get the networking opportunity. So like yesterday, I got to meet the wonderful Rodney Ramos for the first time. Uh, if you've met Rodney today, you'll understand exactly what I mean. But also then it leads me to meeting uh, Dark Horse editors. And it gets me the opportunity to meet DC Comics editors that I've never met before. And it's extending network opportunities at shows like that. So apart from adding to your revenue stream, it adds to your career stream because then those people that you're going to show your work to at days like today, wish there were more days like today, um, yeah, enjoy today. They're few and far between, so make the most of it. Um, so, yeah, if you can, introduce yourself to the show network. You know, it's, don't be... Don't be a diva, don't be scared about paying for a table, you know. It kind of helps the shows from that point of view, but it also puts you 
in other networking opportunities with everybody else who's doing the kind of same things as you are and you end up meeting fellow artists and, and writers and stuff that you wouldn't have met elsewhere on the line that also then kind of leads to, to something else, possibly further work that you wouldn't have done if you hadn't placed yourself in that kind of situation. Um, commissions, that ends up being, uh, a, it can be a fairly sizable kind of thing. Uh, how many guys are, not asking Sammy or Shane or whatever, how many guys are artists and stuff? Is everybody an artist or, oh yeah, good stuff. Don't need none of those lousy stinking writers or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a joke. Um, commissions can be like a really healthy. Uh, uh, how much do you charge for a commission? Yeah, a sliding scale. Yeah. You know, so so it will it will charge it will vary anything from somebody literally wanting a headshot on an A4 through blank sketch variants to eleven by seventeen with. I think my highest end of my scale was A2 with 78 characters on it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's been done dusted a long time ago. Last time I did that. Um, but that's fine. So you, you, if you set yourself up a, a, a sliding scale, because you've got to think about it from the point of view of... of the amount of hours that you're kind of spending on stuff, you know, that's your working time, that you, it's essentially your hourly rate. Um, so I tend to start off um, proper commissions at home rather than stuff I'll do on uh, at show day. They tend to be looser and stuff like that. Uh, proper commissions at home tend to start around 50 quid for a, a detailed headshot on A4 all the way up to three or four hundred depending on what it is. So you kind of have to think about it from the point of view of the time you're going you're gonna to spend. Um, so commissions can be a, a, a healthy revenue stream for you. And um, there are websites out there that are kind of happy, uh, uh, handy to register yourself at. Things like um, Comics Art Fans. Uh, so that's comicsartfans.com somewhat of a community for both collectors and people wanting to um, commission people at the same time. So you can post your own stuff as well as your collections and whatever and advertise your prices and whatever and people can get in touch with you. Uh, the double benefit of commissions is, one, it's a revenue stream, so it's nice kind of cash coming in. You still get to work on comics related material, but then it's also providing you with work that you can post on social media all the time and whatever, just kind of build your fan base up. Because that will be another thing you will find that once people get interested in your work and what you do, they will start sharing your stuff for you and then that starts almost kind of doing your job for you. Um, and, and don't feel like you kind of... I know some guys have felt like the whole doing a commission thing, it's not proper work or whatever, but it is, you know, somebody is paying you for your time, so it is, by definition, it's work, and you're still doing comics-related work, and 
if you're posting that stuff on Instagram, you don't know who's going to see this. You know, there is opportunity. It's like the editors, you know, they're, they're just like on social media like the rest of us. And they've literally, for those of us who were sat in the Dark Horse panel this morning, the editor said he will come across stuff on Instagram and go, oh, I haven't seen that stuff. Oh, and yeah, find this guy and get recommendations from people like that. So doing commissions and stuff is the only place to be able to turn over some income for you but at the same time post new stuff all the time and it looks like you're busy and you know what it's like any job is easier to get if you're already working and this kind of the same applies in you know comic stuff boiled down those are my three basics of revenue stream the, the main comic stuff is the largest part of my income but then show stuff and commission stuff they top up the bills, but they also both feed the first one as well. You know, they kind of lead into other stuff. Is there anything that you guys wanted to ask about? Anything of that so far? Come on, Dan. Ask me something. <laughs> I'm picking out. So, go on, sorry. Are there certain like, hashtags you use for like your Instagram, or do you just post stuff up? Because... <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, the yeah. stuff that's yeah. appropriate to the material yeah. and focused on material. And then, um, but there is regular use hashtags, quite popular ones, yeah. that are um, there about five or six ones, versions of comic artist, um, comic artist on Instagram, artist of Instagram, and versions of. Also, post, tend to post. And when you're posting stuff on Instagram about your work, post where you are. Like, yeah. not literally your house number or anything like that, but like... West Midlands or... Tag West Midlands, tag Birmingham or whatever, things like that. Because then people... I've had people come and find me at shows from that point of view, because, you know, because I'm listed as, as a local artist and, and, and everything. Yes, Lee? You were talking about... Um Going and getting inside the, uh, the uh, con network. Yes. To yeah. And going to con. Um, obviously, that's going to take some uh, money as a speculation. Do you have a, any thoughts on that speculation to accumulate kind of thing? And what's the kind of ratio that you ideally want to be look, looking at? The, the, there are uh, sort of a couple of different versions. Sorry. Let I mean, me sharing do. tables, obviously. Yeah. 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 Of course. Well, let me ask you. Let me answer your question by asking another question first, then. So, out of you guys here, have any of you guys been published before? I should have said, have any of you guys been published before, apart from you, Dan? <laughs> um, no, that, so that's cool. So, so if you're doing shows, it does tend to be kind of a first name. In the first instance, you're going to have to do that pay for the table kind of thing aren't you um, I would think my best point of advice on that was to be selective about your shows in the first instance try and gear yourself to a local show for, for instance so you're kind of eliminating a certain amount of expense from that point of view so you kind of travel expense and, and, and what have you um, but also Shows like Ice and shows like The Lakes and, and, and 
larger versions like Thor Bubble and stuff, there are proper comic-centric shows. So there's all, all you've already got that level of interest of, of what you do. So you're eliminating type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is like any business uh, in the very first instance. I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday who it was their very, very first show. Um, bless. And yeah, <laughs> I, I was very good, I didn't say bless. Um, but he was quite nervous about it. And I said, oh, I think you'll have a good day. And so on. I said, yeah, but I've had to lay out for this and I had to lay out for that and I lay out for the other and whatever. Yes, there is a certain amount of that that you're going to have to face. But then if you you kind of look at it from the long game point of view of like, you've done that there. So the next show, you're not going to have to do that. Your next show, all your expenses are probably going to be your table expenses and, and if you're going to treat yourself to some lunch or whatever. Um, but yeah, sharing tables is is an excellent suggestion. Well, is it, um, when I was at uh, Lewington Comic Con, yes. I don't know if you ever did that one. Yeah, that's, I, I, yeah. I'm there, sure. um, I basically got my best piece, which mm-hmm. was like a Darth Maul thing, framed it, and then sold tickets to win it. Your raffle ticket, and that right, flipping brought me yeah. in loads of r- yeah. money, like just from just doing that. Like. And this is actually, you know, it's we love a flip the main flipping. Yeah. British, like. and if you, you get them to put their details down, yeah, and then you've yeah. got a mailing list. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and you know, um, you're trying to be a little bit smart about it and trying to offer something different mm. whilst at the same time somebody's coming to essentially get a version of what everybody else is doing you know some nice comic art so hopefully your stuff's good enough that people are interested in whatever but the <coughs> nice thing about doing shows and again it's a personal experience for me I, I enjoy doing them anyway but say from you guys point of view as well a lot of the time when you're kind of doing shows, it's you have a certain part of the audience that have a, 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 a desire and an appetite for stuff they can't get anywhere else, which, which your stuff then provides, you know? So doing a, doing a show is, is, can become a good revenue stream because you haven't got to worry about the whole thing of posting stuff out from home and extra postage and I've got to pack this off safely so it doesn't get damaged on the way it's a, you know it shows a, a quite an instant thing for you uh, on that level and you know when there's kind of that desire for, for different stuff that you can't get anywhere else you know if you're publishing your own material as well you're putting out for the first time that show kind of thing is a, is a, a good avenue for you is it any any of you guys kind of done shows on your own? done shows on your own before? Yeah. yeah. Well, me and my brother, we both yeah made self publish our own comics. Okay. And and how was that as an experience for you? Um, Mixed. Yeah. The, the most of the time we we're running with losses due to all the additional travel and mm. hotels. So it's basically any if it's a local show or within. Short distance by train, then we can <laughs> sure. And, and 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 you you yeah. do you must kind of give those a certain amount of preference if you like because yeah. it keeps your your costs down and stuff. Yeah, I mean you 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 figure out which shows you you'll do well at and which ones you yeah because I think 
different shows have different audiences as well. Sure, sure. You know, you're uh, doing a show like Thought Bubble, for instance, is looked complete opposite end of doing something like MCM, you know. But so then, what was your experience like? Do you find it beneficial, not just from a revenue extreme point of view, as, as in kind of building a readership kind of level and, and building a, a fan base kind of thing? Um, well, I'm not that great at self-promotion and manually selling, so... <laughs> I don't think any of us are, unless you're Rodney Ramos. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can see other... Other exhibitors, they, they do have the, the pattern and the... Sure. And I think it's one of those things you kind of learn over time as well. You kind of, you start to become a little bit more comfortable with things. And so how many shows have you done? Yeah. That's the point. We've been, I think, going to getting table shows since about, regularly since 2006. Okay. And then dabbled with it. Before that, was a couple of smaller local ones. But, but you still enjoy them. You just you still see benefit from them. Yes. Yeah, Even if the smallest ones. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think at this point I, I can't not do it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I was going to yeah. add on to that point, Mike. Um, I've started doing the comic cons, I think, for about two and a half years now. Okay. Uh, before that, I used to do, I, I started off as a screen print artist doing yes. band posters. So I used to do a lot of poster shows, um, poster conventions and stuff. Same thing, really. Um, but for me, the comic cons, because like, I work as an illustrator as yes. well, um, they, they keep me from going insane. Yeah. Because I, I spend five days a week sharing with one other guy. And and I'm in my own head so much, and the chance to go out for a weekend and force myself to speak to people I've never met is it and also it's, it's kind of like-minded people as well, which like kind of helps, yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And yeah, and you know, just even from that point of view, yeah. I mean, I'm tending on average to do about probably between thirteen to fifteen shows a year oh, wow. at the moment, and I'm probably going to I'm going to do less. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky enough, it's very, 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 very fortunate enough that you know, I'm kind of at the stage that I, I get invited. And so you kind of get to the stage now that you've been invited to shows before, haven't you? No. Have you not? No. Really? No. That does surprise me. Bastards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, and then that starts eliminating your kind of costs mm. and, and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, again, for like expanding your, your, your fan base and all that, you kind of you look at it um, as not just a money making exercise. Yes, that's great, and that's, that's a huge benefit to kind of furthering what we do and, and, and whatever. But sort of expanding the, the, the fan base is a big thing as well. Because you'll find then that people will start to do a little bit of that work for you. You know, it's that it's that repost and, and share on on Instagram and, and Facebook and whatever that oh yeah, somebody else is gonna get to see that and I haven't had to do it. Um, so there is value in doing the shows to kind of build up that fan base point of view as well. Um, 
how many of you guys kind of do commission stuff? Anybody at all? In any shape or form? Yeah? And how, go, how do you find that as an experience? It's interesting. It's, well, when it's an actual legit client, you know. Um, yes. Because, you know, you get a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I want this. You say, okay, I'm going to give you, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, you give me a brief. They just don't give it to you. like, that. Oh, okay. When Lots of inquiries. Yeah, when someone actually does, you know, uh, is interested in commissioning, it's um, it's, it's quite interesting, uh, especially when they're more um, helpful to actually do it back and forth with you. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's been and, and, and where do you find the bulk of your commission stuff? So comes I from? actually don't know where I where to find commission. Okay. That's, that's so people like approaching on sort of via email and, and social media and that Here kind of thing. Yeah. So okay. all of the reject ones are from email. And I found my recent one from MCM Manchester. Okay. Uh, so he was a fellow storeholder, and he came up to me because he writes uh, novels. Came up to me and said, "Oh, I like your work. Can you do por por portraits for me?" Okay. So we're doing it back and forth right now. Mm, that's that's the networking aspect mm -hmm. from from a show, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then if you end up doing covers and stuff for that. You just don't know where that book's going to lead, mm. which then brings you back to the main course of, of, of kind of doing comics and, and stuff. What about commissions for you? Um, uh, do you mean like private commissions? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, no, I actually have never started that. Uh, I kind of, uh, I've had a few people inquire, but uh, I feel like I don't like I, I don't like the idea of drawing whilst I'm at, at the con. Because it's I like an interesting talking. experience there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well. He gets it. He's my secret. I, I, I'm a typical artist in as much as I think I hate people watching me draw. Right, right. So there's a look of recognition <laughs> if I've ever seen one. Um, <clears throat> but the easy way around that, and, and most of the, I would like to preempt this by saying most of the time this is true. So literally just go. So somebody comes up to the table and I you sketching? Yeah, what are you after? Will you do me a. Batman for argument's sake, you know. That's great. I've got a little bit of a list on the go at the moment. Do you want to have a wander around for half an hour? Come back and I'll have it done for you. That way, they're not standing over you like a hawk. You can draw at a show. You can draw at the show without feeling like you're kind of pressured and it's stuff crazy. like that. I was called a tracer yesterday. Well, How very dare they? Um, it's Kevin Smith's fault. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so it affords you a little bit of kind of distance and stuff, so you can still work at the show. You still, still kind of do that if you want to, you know. Um, and still allows you to work, still means you can draw at the show, but you don't feel pressured by it. Okay. So even if you kind of haven't got a list, just tell people you've got a list. Okay. And most people are kind of, they're at a show for, for a day or whatever. Or, don't feel scared. I have, I have on my price list something that says, at the bottom, um, if you haven't got time to wait, everything can be mailed out. And I'll do that because, like as a for instance, um, anybody ever been to London Film and Comic Con? So the Olympia show. Uh, I start Friday morning and I don't stop drawing until the end of Sunday night. And usually have to say to people, I've run out of time, can I stick this in the post for you? And nine times out of that, that's a good thing. You know, if you're not feeling very comfortable or, or people can't stick around for long enough, 
don't forget to offer to stick it in the post. You know, you just swap details and, and, and whatever like that. Someone recommended that you um, can also sort of uh, do it ahead, so you've got... Yeah, by all means, that's a really good thing, yeah. Pre-show sketches, there's um, a friend of mine, for instance, uh, an artist, uh, John Royal. So John, at the moment, is doing... Um, and this, this kind of goes around to kind of being flexible around things and kind of using your brain about how you can kind of things. So John does covers for a ton of G.I. Joe stuff and like Red Sonja and um, he's doing like the superpower stuff for Dynamite and stuff at the moment. Uh, but John has uh, quite bad um, arthritis in his drawing hand. So that's why he doesn't do interiors, that's why he just does covers. But it also means so he can't spend the whole day at a show sketching all the time. So John does that. Whenever he's announced at a show, or where, whenever he knows he's going to be at the show, on social media, I'm going to be here. Anybody want to order pre-show commissions, you could probably do them more detailed than kind of normal during the show sketch stuff and get paid more for them by that way. And then it means... It eliminates the part of you being extra busy during the show, during the day. And also it gives you that kind of um, buffer, if you like, that you know that you're going to turn up at that show. And just by fact of the turning up at the show, you've already, you're already on top of things because you've already kind of got you know, this money coming in or what have you from that point of view. Um, can be a lot more of a comfortable experience for some people from that point of view you know it's kind of so that's that's an excellent idea and then that goes back to just announcing stuff on social media <coughs> and things like comic art fans but people sort of, people start spotting you then kind of on show lists and then and then that lists stalkers and that's a whole different thing in <laughs> um, and sometimes they aren't even nice stalkers, you know, it's not like attractive ones or anything like that. Um, but is that something like, for instance, drawing it shows that everybody here feels comfortable doing? Or is it kind of like a necessary evil kind of thing? I, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I haven't, I haven't attempted it yet, so yeah. that's like... I think my uh, comic book style like is still kind of forming. Okay. So maybe like um, I don't know. I think because I, I work as a screen print artist, I like to talk about the uh, process of screen printing when because I write self prints as well. Sure. Um, and people seem to really like to engage in that because it's something that's kind of objective. Um, they don't have to. Isn't they don't have to sort of like or dislike my artwork. They they can talk about the process. Sure. Which is quite interesting. And that was, and then it, I, t I mean, you look at the whole Mondo thing and, and how yeah. popular that's become a place. Yeah, it's huge now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a little alternative movie poster. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally the, the biggest sulking news point of view coming out from Thought Ball. Right. Is everybody's unhappy that Mondo aren't going. Really? Yeah. It's not comics, and nothing has to do with comics. <laughs> Nobody from comics is pulled out, but Mondo's not going, so everybody's sulking. Because the queues for Mondo were huge last year. It's, good, it's kind of, I find the whole, like, um, 
movie poster thing quite interesting because I think it's like uh, a nostalgia thing from the 80s. So people like my age who grew up like uh, looking at VHS covers going, wow, you know, and then they were all kind of drawn and stuff, you know. Um, so it's kind of interesting how that whole thing has kind of coined, it's all kind of come up around the last 10 years, isn't it? And Rondo's been very clever as well because they make each poster an event. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, it's going to be announced what yeah. time it's going to be. Then you're going to get the first glimpse of it, and there's only 50 of them made, and they cost $500, and there's 100 of this one, and, and they just yeah, fly they out because everyone's like, oh, I've got to have it. Yeah. I remember being in it, like, uh, going for something to eat with my mate, and then all of a sudden he was like, oh shit, it's five o'clock, and started yeah. flipping, going mad on his phone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't get a signal. Fucking getting really fucking agitated. It's <laughs> interesting, isn't it? The whole hype, the yeah. whole, like, I'm dropping this, there's only going to be yeah. certain number. Mm. It, it, it sort of fools kind of like a frenzy, isn't it? There's yeah. no reason why they couldn't print, you know, hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> just drives up the demand. Well, they didn't open edition. Limited edition kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Before his Batman friend, they didn't open edition, and you pre-ordered. I think it's got some like four thousand something. Who's that? Uh, that Ollie Moss. You know, yeah. He did. Uh, he did all the. He, he was like one of the first to do like alternative movie posters. Oh, so was Mondo guys that you signed. I think he signed to Mondo at the moment. Is he? Yeah. yeah. So he's he, he's on that frenzy list as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalised on that is Mondo. Mondo have absolutely yeah. they've weaponised that. But weren't they a horror magazine before? No, what they were is uh, say local cinema, which they were doing yeah. posters for for limited screenings. It's yeah. like Calvin uh, and yeah, 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 and stuff, and uh, they just took off. Right, right. But I think another artist that's kind of really done a good job on weaponising that kind of thing is actually a guest from last year, which is John Tyler Christopher. Yeah, He's absolutely. Someone who works Absolutely. on some good networking and yeah, gets a very strong following from that limited edition just using those words. Well yeah, yeah and, 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 and JTC did um, uh, another, and this is going back a, a while ago now, but another useful networking and revenue stream which was having a Patreon account. Yeah, do, yeah, Patreons would be good Yeah, and, and the thing about Patreon, it, it, it kind of works on uh, a few different levels, and it's got, you know it's got similarities to Kickstarter stuff and, and what have you. But you know you can you can gear your stuff towards stuff that you'd like to do. It's obviously monetized, so you get paid for stuff. It's building yourself a little fan base from that kind of point of view, and also it's it's a regular takeover of work that you're doing. Um, I know a, a friend of mine that is now doing a bunch of Doctor Who stuff for Big Finish because of his Patreon account. Wow. And literally just doing a bunch of Doctor Who stuff for fans on his Patreon account. Yeah. Somebody from Big Finish did it. So he's doing a bunch of Big Finish covers and stuff like that. So, you know, kind of that's the idea. So, what sort of stuff do you guys do or aspire to? Are you self-publishing, doing your own material, are you aspiring to go work for somebody else? Anybody? I mean, my sort of plan, plan at the moment... Oh, no, no, you've got a plan, Dan, I know you ...is to do the self-published stuff, mm -hmm. because, you know, I quite like that area as being in complete control. Yeah, the, the kind of creative do. control aspect of it. Um, but then try and gear up and get more work for hire um, stuff 
on, you know, from like dynamites and booms and people? Well, they kind of end up being um, chicken and egg yeah. kind of situations. Yeah. You know, you end up doing your own material, and doing your own material is an excellent, excellent way to introduce yourself to kind of other publishers. Mm -hmm. But then also, if you happen to get some work from other publishers, it affords you that little bit of a cushion to then go and do a bunch of your own stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the self-published thing as well, it also proves to uh, publishers you can complete a project. Yeah. Which is what it's very much so. That is absolutely their main priority, it's getting stuff done, getting stuff done well, but getting it done on time. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's kind of number one, number two, <laughs> number one, number two of kind of editors' priorities and yeah. stuff. And and that one, that brings us back to something from the Dark Horse panel this morning that kind of is an overriding thing above anything else that you do. Two good yardsticks is A, don't be a dick. And two, do stuff on time. Yeah. It doesn't matter <clears throat> if you're not the best artist in the world, but if you can consistently hit your deadlines, that means you make a, an editor's life so much easier. So what are dead, what sort of timescales are deadlines? Obviously it depends on... Yeah, the, yeah. It, it, so it depends. So give you an, an idea of stuff. So, for instance, covers. Stuff that I do. So I, this is just yeah. stuff that I've done, so I know what my deadlines are like. I get a week. But then that's a week to do three ideas, them to then they take four I four days to decide which one of those three <laughs> ideas they want, uh, to then pencil the thing, and then send the pencils in, get that approved, and then finish the next. So for the whole process, I get a week, which is why everybody wants to do covers, because yeah. you get that luxury at that time. If you're doing interiors, Nah, that's nothing like that. Uh, you're, you're basically looking... If you're doing an American comic book interiors, you pretty much got to do a, a page a day of is interiors. That, is that just pencils? Is that yeah, so that's what I do. Yes, yeah. Um, so doing cover stuff personally, because I have the week, it allows me the luxury of being able to ink it as well. Um, but I'm nowhere near fast enough to kind of do... At least because I, I work still analog, I'm still pencil and pen on board and stuff. Uh, the little is a little a little bit of a change at the moment, and it's kind of go. So guys who can work digitally and, and what have you do tend to miss out that pencil stage and go straight from layouts to inks, which I'm not convinced is that good an idea. But it's just me personally. Um, so yeah. Uh, you're, you're basically going to knock out 20 to 22 pages of sequential art in a month. Um, and it's why it ends up being a, a production process. So I'm, I'm having to do a page of pencils in a day to a day and a half. Is it like... Um, like is that an eight hour day or like... <laughs> is it, it's a 24 hour day. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't be silly, it's Sorry. 22. Sorry. Sorry. I've seen Jim Lee on YouTube. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of this sleepy malarkey or anything like that. So I tend to be sort of 10 to 12 hour working yeah. days. Okay. Yeah. Well, then if I, if, if, you know, then 
But it's also almost like stating the obvious, I can bang a four panel page out quicker than I can bang a six panel page out. Yeah. It's still filling the same amount of space, but it depends how generous a writer's been with it and, and what have you. But yeah, American stuff, you, you've got to bang out an issue in between three to four weeks. It's, it, it is a lot of work. Yeah. And it, it is, it ends up being a learning curve in the first instance but kind of once you get into the rhythm of it then that, that's great as well but also and a big thing about that is and again it was something that came up in the Dark Horse panel this morning if you're offered a job in the first instance be honest and be realistic about it if somebody turns around if an editor turns around to you and says um we need this in three weeks, but you know for a fact that it takes you two days to do one page. Don't just go yes. Because then when it's coming to that deadline time and you, you're inevitably going to miss it, you're the one that's going to look like a dick. You've made his life difficult. And then when you finish that job, you've, you've dropped right down the list for him to offer you the next one. But there is nothing right, and, and I've done this because I, I know I'm not the quickest guy in the world. If the minute you start having those initial conversations with an editor and you be honest and you go, my rate is, not, not money-wise, but work rate, my rate is this, this means I can get this many pages done per week. Yeah, but it's like... Is it like how long's a piece of string? Because like one, do you know what I mean? For yeah. One. Yeah. Like some of the stuff I've seen, like look through your stuff. Some of it's like really detailed. So yeah. You go for yeah. Like, can I not just okay? Do you know what I mean? So then sometimes it can be. Like, it is. Some well, blank backgrounds or black or. Do you know what yeah. I mean? oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why there's loads of smoke on my oh. shit. It covers all sorts <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Um, but it's yeah. To answer yeah. your question, there's uh, somebody else asked a, a similar question to Stas Johnson. How long does it take you to to do stuff? And his answer was, however long I've got. Yeah. So it literally will be, if I've got a cover to do, and you give me a week to do it, I'll take a week to do it. Yeah, yeah. But if you give me a day to do it, I'll do it in a day. Yeah. It won't be as good as the one that takes me a yeah, week to do. Sure. But, you know, and then that's, that's the work aspect of it. Yeah. And you do have to, one of the skills you do learn is the skill of being able to go, it's done. Yeah. You might not like it, you might not be 100% happy with it, but if you can go, it's done, next page. Yeah. It's, a, it's a skill to learn on, on itself. And then going back to kind of how long you get on different stuff, then you'll have like publishers like 2000 AD as well. Yeah. They're, they're quite, so you know, you tend to work on, is everybody familiar with 2000 AD as a, as a magazine now? Good answer. Um, so you're looking at sort of smaller, finite story pages, you know, like five, six, seven at a time. And if you have that conversation with them in advance and saying, this is my work rate, this is how quickly I can get done, it's usually a conversation that goes, okay, so can you get this done in by this date? Yeah, right, job done. Because that, that's something else that's, that has such a variety of different things. In you know, you've got black and white stuff in there. You've got fully painted stuff in there. So a guy who's doing like 
Glenn Fabry's not going to knock out stuff in the same amount of time that Ben Wilshire's doing some black and white stuff. You know, so it's got to be a sliding scale from that kind of point of view. So literally, everybody doing. So I know you kind of like self-published, but would like to do other mm -hmm. stuff. What about you? What's so I'm, I'm kind what's of the game plan? Stuff. So I'm doing editorial, deep graphic okay. design, uh, poster art, um, but I've just taken on a, my third comic book commission. Okay. And that's going to be it's with a band that I worked for before. So I did the album final cover last year, and this time it's going to be uh, a 26-page comic with uh, vinyl cover uh, poster that ties in with a film that they've made. Uh, about the samurai, so you got it all going on, on then, eh? Kind of like a dream drop, like because he said last year, he was like, oh well, he had a DC artist uh, work with him before, mm -hmm. um, and he said to me like, oh, but you know, like maybe we'll get you to do the comic, and I was like, oh yeah, great, you know, thinking that's like a nice pleasantry, and then about a year and a half later, he's actually come, come back. To, it's a year and a half later, but. At least it kind of does, yeah, and then it's, it's, it's you don't know where these things kind of lead to. Yeah. It's, it's making yourself available, yeah. being a person that people want to work with, yeah. and then next time they speak to somebody else and say, "Oh, this guy who did this for us. Have you seen this?" Yeah. And you know, and that's when your work speaks for you. And I've seen some of your stuff. Yeah. So, is it, are you kind of predominantly yeah, well, kind what, of thinking? What I'd like to do is sort of like maybe do some self-publishing or one of my dream jobs. I'd love to work for 2018 and yeah. find my teeth sort of thing and then whatever comes from there and just get myself known, do you know what I mean? So, did you know that it's um, open submissions at 2018 at the moment? Is it? Yeah. So, yes, that sounds cool. 2018online.com yeah. is the website. And there's, dish, uh, there's details and stuff in there. Because right. as, as a rule, unfortunately, most everybody, publisher-wise at the moment, their submission guidelines are quite closed. Because yeah. it's pretty much like, you know, we can pick and choose whatever we want to. Sure. But 2008 at the moment are doing this. Is that the Wild Thought Bubbles? They've been doing a specific event at Thought Bubble. Because mm -hmm. they did one last year, didn't yeah. they? Every year, they do it. Is it every, every year? Well, they, stuff. Do, they do some, uh, almost kind of like a fun, yeah, yeah. It's, it's but big, they also stuff, do have actual, yeah. They have the guys mm. there to actually go through everyone. But no, you're on about uh, online but, submission. Yeah, and but that there is throughout the year. Yeah, so it literally is a machine. It yeah, yeah. Because if you think yeah. about that for 2008, for a, a point, it churns through talent and it churns through pages. Yeah. Because well, it's is it every or weekly. 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 <laughs> every week. I used to spend that much on it, man. Jesus. I know. Yeah. So it would literally, and if you if uh, you can do Judge Dredd, you'll be very very popular. Because if you think so, it's not just mm. it's not just 2008, but it's the monthly magazine as well. Yeah, yeah. And that has that's at least 50 yeah. percent, if not more, original material as yeah. well. I think they're looking more for the original stuff. Actually, yes. they're looking for more. They're looking for IPs. They're looking for yeah. something that they can then. Rebellion are looking for stuff they can spin off to whatever yeah. else for the game. Yeah. So whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why they, I mean, they love like Brass Sun. They love yeah. all these other. Because Brass ones. Sun was originally a, originally had that a Dark Horse. Yes. Um, and because Dark Horse wouldn't 
do collected editions of it, you know, well, it's mine, so I'll take it elsewhere. Also, I'd like to um, Beano as well. That'd be cool. Okay. But then pe people have, I've heard people say, oh, Beano, uh, no, a little bit more closed. Yeah. It, is, it is a little bit, um, and strangely enough, the people who work there, people like Nigel and, and Lou, have worked for them forever. Yeah. But then there's, there's extensions from the Beano and, and stuff there's like that. Phoenix, there's the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's an online stuff. But check out the 2000 AD stuff yeah. at the moment because it is online via the website. It's. Um, uh, an open submissions policy at the moment because I know in the last six weeks I've had four people go if I do this 2000 AD submission will you have a look at it for me? Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> alright <laughs> don't know what I'm going to be able to tell you about but, and it, but yeah it's, it's good and, and because as Lance just said it chews up stuff yeah. because of the um, just the frequency that yeah. it takes and I think I would go as far as to say 90% of British comic creators working today started yeah. at 2000. That was my first job. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I've read it for a long time, but like, but I, I don't think in a way that necessarily matters because yeah. you've got the luxury of things like Future Shocks, yeah. and and you know that provides you. It could be a story <coughs> about anything. I mean, they're hard to do because you've got half a dozen pages of which you've got to do a beginning, a middle, and a massive twist at the end. Yeah. But, again, it chews through stuff. And I would heartily recommend anybody, if you've got a, a, a vague interest in sci-fi-related stuff and you want to create stuff, send some stuff into 2000 AD because they're very approachable and... Um, very, very laid back and easy company to work for. It's the. I'm trying to think who else has got open submissions at the moment. Very few. I know. I know. Aftershock. To some degree. Yeah, they will kind of look at every. Aftershock's a, a weird thing in as much as um, the way Aftershock works is they have writers approach them. If it's not already existing creative team, they have writers approach them with a pitch and their projects and then and they try and they kind of match them up with yeah. other people if they kind of haven't had a, a, another one um, but they, they are really quite approachable yeah close. I know uh, yeah because I'll keep on sending stuff in um, and Mike Marty's a, a very nice bloke but yeah. like um, 2000 AD for instance is almost like it's a nice easy kind of hassle free way in because um, I've done it's like 13 or 15 progs worth of stuff for them and I've never had one single correction I should have yeah. more than once but and it's kind I of the way you call it a prog as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah I, I would heartily recommend it for, for everybody you know so if you kind of look at it at future shocks and there's a bunch of, if you're just doing an art submission as well, they've got a bunch of sample scripts on the website that you download and, and just use those to, to bang some pages out of. Um, unfortunately, um, DC's a closed shop at the moment, so unless you're doing things like today, 
and you know you can introduce yourself to them from that point of view. Um, Dark Horse isn't too bad, you know. You kind of got they uh, closed their doors about twelve months ago. They really, they, they, they really kind of cold call. They shut down this, yeah. They shut down the submission stuff and made it really tight. You really have to go follow, jump through a bunch of hoops yeah. for Dark Horse and also for um, who's the other one? IDW. Yeah. They both shut down their submission protocols pretty damn hard. I think mostly because there were some people that were just. <laughs> shoving thing, things through the letterbox. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's like, and that's it. And while you're trying to do stuff as well, try and be appreciative of the job somebody's doing at the other end. Because I kind of, I, I, I heard two things. One, this morning in the Dark Horse panel, and it was, uh, is, it, is it Daniel? Yeah. Is it Daniel? So, Daniel Chubber. Um, so his email inbox on average is three to four hundred a day. That's not even counting his junk email. So you know you kind of try and this goes back to about not being a dick and kind of understanding what their side of the job is as well. So you know if you send some stuff in to to somebody, don't be upset if you don't hear anything back. But send again and send again in like three or four weeks time so you're not making pain in the ass of yourself um, I wish there was more events like this because the ideal thing is the opportunity to sit down and, and talk to somebody <coughs> and kind of, it's infinitely more preferable than cold call emails or, or, or what have you like that and again, that goes back to the opportunity about doing shows and stuff and, and the networking thing there because you don't know who's going to be there. It was something that Daniel said this morning and stuff about introducing yourself, introducing yourself to me and introducing yourself to anybody else there. It gets, everybody wants to be nosy and look at everybody else's work, don't they? So if I get an opportunity somebody offers me some work that for whatever reason I can't do it I can't hit their deadlines or I'm busy doing a load of other stuff I go actually do you know what there's this guy Fred I met at this show you'd really like his stuff let me put him in touch with you and, and that's really cool because I've, I've noticed like within because I do like portraits yes. and commissions and sort of like there's this one artist who tri treated me like an arch nemesis. Like really? Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, the, yeah. You can't paint Bruce Lee, I paint Bruce Lee. I love how this, I think the, art, the comic art community is very nice where you will talk to each other, from what I've seen so far. The, um, it's almost a switch that goes off yeah. in as much as when you start doing stuff professionally, mm. that shit doesn't happen anymore. I know, man. It's, there can be a little bit of jealousy around the kind of indie small press kind of guys and, yeah, and, yeah. and whatever. But this shouldn't be, because everybody does it at the end of the day, because we all love comics yeah, and yeah. stuff. 90% of people who work in comics do so because they love comics. When they start working in comics, they don't love comics anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, the games industry, so that's like... But yeah, like I've sat down with Jim Chadwick from DC this morning, and, and Jim's not essentially a commissioning editor himself, because he does things like, say for instance, he, he edits 
Mr. Miracle. Um, and that's a finite 12-issue series. It's only ever going to be this writer and this artist on it. So there's not an opportunity open for anybody else to come in. But literally, he's gone. He said to me, "Look, so you send me your stuff in now when I get back to the office, and what we do, because we don't know if anybody else, editor or assistant editor, is struggling. I know I haven't got anything for you, but I go and share your stuff around with all the other editors, and then that comes back to the networking thing again, you know. So, so you don't dismiss any opportunity to kind of speak to." anybody on any kind of <coughs> professional level if you like you know he doesn't have to do that he's not getting paid any extra to kind of share my stuff around but it makes his work colleagues life it seems to me it's like the more you can be the solution to somebody else's problem and that is it that you is know because if someone comes to you and says you know oh can you do this can't, yeah. can you say i can't fit it in mm. but try this person yeah. yeah that's not you losing work that's them going yeah, yeah. it was really helpful yeah. And then the next time, still on the list. I'll I'll give Ian a shout. Yeah, yeah. But if you went, and that's it. no, yeah, and just put the phone down, then they're going to go. Oh, yeah. what's wrong with you now? So just and then they go. Well, I'm never speaking to Howard Chaykin again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I also um, like how most editors at events like this as well. If they even if they don't take you on that day, or they don't say that if they turn around and say, yeah, that's not working, mm. they're really positive about how you then improve. Mm. Yeah, and they will give you that feedback, and it's face to face. It's instant. Yeah. And you're it not, is. Yeah, and you, you instantly see if they're getting it or not. And if they don't, they will tell you, and they'll tell it. That I mean, there's one guy out there today who just who came out of um, a John McRae who was looking through his, and he went, he was he was looking like he'd just gone through a marathon. He's just like that was brutal. Yeah, that was, I was I was kicked around for ten minutes, but he kicked me around and he, I felt better for it because I now know what I need to do. Yeah. And that's the kind of networking that you need. You need yeah. that kind of feedback. It is. And if you could kind of, you know, I know I've said a, a bunch of stuff about monetizing things and, and, and that's right. And, and that's great because it makes you still feel you're able to do things within comics and not just do your comic stuff of an evening after you get home from flipping burgers or you know, working in the sales and Tesco's and whatever, so that gives you opportunities for points of view like that. But it's always got to be a bigger picture of what the next thing kind of leads on and the next thing I want to lose on. Well, this is something I wanted to ask you because, say, you've got your, your foot in yes. the door, you've got your first, you know, mm. professional commission, you know, to do, you know, this limited series yeah. or a fill in issue or whatever. How do you then go about turning that into the next piece of work? Do you wait thing. for someone to see that work and go, oh, he's good? No, or do you, you have can't to? wait. You, it, it's literally, and, and that's the kind of shitty part about it, is it literally, the minute you finish that, unless you're really, really lucky and, and perhaps said editor goes, oh, do you know what, I've got this coming up or whatever, you end up having to do pretty much the same thing again that got you that job in the done. first place. But, yeah, that's the difference. And then you can add that to your CV. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then I'm the guy that did mm -hmm. this. Even if it's not out yet, you know, I'm the guy this. And then that's the big switch in that, and it goes, it's not necessarily a conscious thing, but a subconscious thing in that new editor's mind. It goes, well, if Joe Bloggs has trusted him enough to mm -hmm. do XYZ, 
Mickey versus Pluto on the planet Venus. For these four issues, you know, that kind of stands me in good stead. This, this guy's reasonably trustworthy from that kind of point of view as well. I mean, do you still have to pitch around for work? Or do you, yeah? yeah, yeah. All the time. I currently have a circle of five different editors I'm speaking to at the time, at, at, at the moment, which is just on a cycle of emails, which for what a better term is, just literally go, still in. Mm -hmm. what, what's the, what's the, sorry. No, no. Sorry, what's the etiquette of like approaching an editor? So, so you go on LinkedIn, you find out who's what, yeah, you'd be lucky if you find anybody on LinkedIn and so um, yeah. Again, something I'm going to pick up from Daniel's panel this morning. Um, it's, all, it's a good start to casually start to engage with people on social media and stuff mm -hmm. like that. On Twitter and on Facebook, start just liking people's yeah. stuff. So then every now and again, your name starts popping up. And then if it's Facebook, for instance, if you're friends with DC editor Jim Chadwick and you like his stuff about his cat, because that's all he posts on Facebook. Um, it's a really nice cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you start liking his stuff like that, then when you start posting your artwork on your Facebook page and it twigs and he goes, Oh, I know that name from someone and stuff like and then starts paying extra attention to your stuff then yeah. and because you've had those interactions but you do those interactions on their terms again it's like you don't be a dick yeah, yeah. but also on their terms like say again using Jim as an example because he's here um, Jim's Facebook page is a really social thing he, he barely touches work at all on his his Facebook page but he posted uh, a status about six months ago. Just as an example, don't send me work requests or requests to send me work on Facebook. Don't. Because, don't. don't. Okay, yeah. Because I get 300 of those inboxes like a, a, a day. And I won't read any of them. Because I don't talk about work on it. It's not a place to do it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you can't have any kind of interaction to kind of plant the seed of who you are and, and whatever it is then. And then in other places, now, when you see them at shows like this and whatever, it's just an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself. And you say, oh, we're friends on Facebook, blah, 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 blah. blah. might not even recognise you. Which is a conversation starter. And then there's... And it's, it's almost the same protocol on um, cold call sending stuff into editors and that. If you're smart, you can find out what people's emails addresses are without them actually giving them to you. So I've got a, a three people I've spoken to at editorial at Dark Horse, but I know every single person's email at address at that company because it's really easy to work out. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what it is. No, 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 but, no, no. Um, but yeah, you just kind of be a bit smart yeah. about it. And you can send cold call stuff in, but just be polite about it. Do the introduction. Don't bombard them with stuff. You know, you can send them three or four images, which is enough 
for anybody to take an interest in the first place. You know, if somebody's interested in it, they'll see from three or four images and ask to see more if they're kind of interested from that point of view. And then don't be a dick and send stuff every three days and, and things like that. Do a three, four week kind of turnaround. Yeah. So if they haven't, they might have seen your stuff in the first instance but not had time to reply, but the name registers in the back of the mind. So then in four weeks' time, when you send another email that just goes, oh, I don't know if you had the chance to look at the stuff before. It's just me. Maybe add another couple of images, whatever. It reminds you who you are. You're not making pain in the ass of yourself. But also, it keeps you within their field of vision for that time when you're kind of lucky enough that they need somebody you know somebody's just let them down with a deadline and and what have you and they're in the shit and then your email lands in the inbox being nice and friendly and helpful and sending new material in that they haven't seen before and you're just in the right time but because you've been respectful and that and not made a pain in the ass of yourself beforehand it makes you an attractive prospect to work with you know because that's that's Again, something that Daniel was saying this morning, a big part of the deal, making yourself an attractive, apart from your talents, apart from your abilities as an artist, making yourself an attractive prospect as a person to work with. That, you know, somebody that somebody's going to talk to on an almost a daily basis. A good example of that is um, Ted Brandt and Rose Stein. Yes. Who um, basically just became a presence on. Uh, they come out of art college, uh, they were on Twitter, and they just made friends with certainly like the, the Kieran Gillen's Jimmy Kelby of the world. And they just kind of, they just liked and responded and just acted like decent people. At which point they, they were posting their examples of their work online. Kieran had um, a backup strip in um, a Wigdiv issue, mm-hmm. at which point they, they put some, they asked them, would you be up for doing a six page? Backup for Wigdiv. That's how they got in, and now they're doing um, uh, that. Uh, they're doing a book for Image, which is crowded. I mean, yes, they, they've kind of done very yeah. well out of that networking. And then that that literally is just those two things coming together. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, they did, but they've done it by not being yeah. dicks. About yeah, it yeah, being a, being a decent person who's an attractive prospect to work with, and. <coughs> making yourself available, doing that kind of networking thing. And the other thing is editors change. It, it, yes. people, people, and that's, people that's rise up, and the person who's next to you on the been there for years. Some of them do. Yeah, fifteen years. The might end up being yeah. an editor at a small press, and, and because an indie, and then before you know, he's at IDW, and you can yeah, go, you, oh, hey, you have you. to be aware that it that it happens. Um, the other way as well and hence so, you having to be flexible about it so like for instance my, my personal experience um, is the one main reason that I'm not doing Halo at the moment is actually no fault of my own but the, uh, the, the, the way Dark Horse do Halo runs is they're, um, fine, they're all almost like maxi series they do 20 issues the storyline finishes and they start a completely different one from number one again. Um, so we got to the end of the run that I was doing, and my editor left. Mm-hmm. He didn't just leave Dark Horse, he left comics altogether. But then that's, 
that's my point of contact mm. then. The new editor comes in that I've never met or spoken to before. He wants to use the people that he's used to working with. And unfortunately, that kind of points me back into square one for, for that job. So that's why you're constantly talking to as many different people as you can at the same time um, to, to not miss out on an opportunity. Um, because it is that thing, it's like I said at the beginning, what we kind of do involves us only really being able to do one job at a time because it is, it's the long, it's the most time-consuming part of the process, isn't it? It's kind of the art point of view. Um, so, if and and when you do get your job and you're kind of working on it, please do not stop contacting other people and making it known that you are generally available. If not now. Again, it comes all the way back to the networking stuff and just being an available person, being a responsible kind of professional. Um, yeah. Any other questions, anybody else? I know this has been like a random stream of consciousness and stuff, but hopefully there's kind of been a few interesting nuggets and stuff in his, amongst. Is there anything anybody else wanting to ask? Tell us something we don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, John Wagner is only alive at the moment because of me and Lou Stringer. Oh, right. Uh, we were in uh, Enniskillen in Northern Ireland. Long story short, he'd been drinking since four o'clock on the day, and we got he carried on all the way through the night. Um, and it was the day before the con. We'd all gone to the hotel bar, everybody was still drinking, having a good time. Me and Lou Stringer left the bar at around quarter to two in the morning. Walked out and, and we were in another hotel bar because our own hotel hadn't got a bar. But it was literally just over the other side of the road. Um, and I'm just now remembering that this has been recorded. Um, <laughs> I'll edit this off <laughs> Thanks, Lair. Um, so, me and, Liz, the yeah, exactly. uh, me and Liz Stringer walk out of the bar, John Wagner comes staggering around the corner, literally on one foot. He'd had a whale of a night, he, he was in a cracking mood. Only one thing, he couldn't find the hotel. I sit over the other side of the road there, John. Great. He was happy as Larry, he was off to his bed. But... Then comes the light bulb moment that goes over mine and Lou Stringer's head and realises the hotel was like in an L shape like that. One part apartments, one part hotel rooms. Down the middle, in between the two, is 20 concrete steps. There's no way he's getting down there in one piece. So literally, it was me under one arm. And, and John's a big lad, isn't he? Yeah. There's me under one arm and Lou Stringer under another arm helping him down these steps. We got about halfway down and he just put foot out to take the next step and stopped. He stopped. And he, you all right, John? Yeah, yeah, fine. Carried on walking. Fine, going to say, out the front of the hotel, you're in there, John. There's reception, just where that blue light is there. Great, thanks, lads. He just walked straight past it. It was on his way down the street. And we went, no, John, 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 no, you're in there. Come, come in there. Great, fine, we get him in. Next morning, 
So the day of the con, we're all in hotel reception about eight o'clock in the morning, waiting for a car to take us down to where it was. Down he comes bowling, Cheshire cat grin on his face, the more wise. You're right, lads, I'm just off for my breakfast, see you later. You could barely bloody walk last night. So if it hadn't been for Lou Stringer and me guiding him down those steps, I don't think John Wagner would be alive today. <laughs> there you go, you didn't know that. No. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, chaps. I think it's, believe it or not, that was an hour and a quarter. That's good, that. So, no, I hope some of it was useful. Thanks ever so much.